Uncharted Podcast, Episode 3, Learning a New Language. I'm your host, Gio Joe, coming to you from beautiful Colorado. Coming back onto the show again is John Milligan, who will be speaking with us about his experiences learning languages across Asia. And also coming to the show is Lindsay Reyes with experience speaking French and Arabic. Welcome to the Uncharted Podcast. So to get started, I'd like to make introductions. And you might be somebody out there who has had a motivation to learn a language but hasn't done it quite yet. You might be somebody who has started a language and maybe needs some extra help or just some new ideas and some tips. You might be somebody that has a language down perfectly fluent, but you're looking to, to add a new language. But uh, obviously languages can really open up our horizons and help us discover the world around us, help us explore the world. So we want to take some time today to talk about learning a new language and some real tips from real people who have actually been there, done it, and have uh, gone through a lot of the motions in learning languages and becoming successful at it throughout their endeavor. So uh, first, I want to introduce uh, John Milligan. Uh, John, thanks again for coming to the show. Very happy to be here. John comes to us with an engineering background. He has a civil engineering degree from Utah State University, has been heavily involved in the renewable energy and water treatment industry, uh, over 12 years of experience doing that, and is now working in the R&D field, but uh, comes to us with a lot of business experience as far as using languages in that context. Um, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring him onto the show. And Lindsay Reyes, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks right. for having me. All right. We still got you. Thanks for coming. So uh, Lindsay has some French and Arabic background and has done some study abroad and has a bachelor's from Western Michigan University, uh, majoring in French and minoring in Arabic. Is that right? Correct. Okay. And uh, I myself, I have a little bit of language background as well. I have a good bit of experience with the Chinese Mandarin language. I speak it Pretty, you know, when it comes to conversations and day to day, it's pretty fluently. But uh, working on developing aspects of the language with my professional uh, undertakings, and a little bit of German and uh, a little bit of other languages. So, um, just I'll just have you us go around and John, if you can start us out, just kind of give us a background on what your experiences with languages have been, how you've acquired your languages, just kind of walk us through your, um, you know, basic experience. Okay. Um, as, as a child, uh, my father was in the military, and so we, we lived in Germany for a, a couple of years. And um, so, therefore, we, we lived outside the base, and so we lived with the, the German children, and, and those were some of my first friends. And guess what? They spoke German, so I, I learned a few little words as, as as a kid, right? But went went back to the United States and uh, really forgot a lot of stuff, but still had that interest. So I took some German in high school, but then all of a sudden, I found myself volunteering for a couple of years right after high school in Southeast Asia, where um, I really uh, learned 
my, my most fluent language would be Malay. Um, and I, at the time, also picked up some Mandarin and uh, probably, you know, some, some words in Tamil would be a good way to put it um, because of the diversity of uh, different cultures there. And um, just, you know, went back to school, uh, became an engineer and found myself uh, overseeing some uh, projects in, in both China and India. And uh, in China, they, they put me out in a village and, and uh, I was all alone. And I was the only American with about, uh, I'd say, 15 Mandarin-speaking engineers. And we had to build a renewable energy facility. And that, that's somewhat of a challenge. And uh, I, had, I was the guy tasked with making sure that it was put together properly. So I, I can tell you, I know what it's like to build the Tower of Babel. Done it. <laughs> and then uh, I also went to India and, and did similar things in similar situation. And so it's uh, just uh, know a few words, uh, Tamil, Hindi, but not, not really a lot, but just enough, you know, to kind of uh, build rapport. Wow, that's great. What a, what a great string of experiences and so many languages that are covered, too, in parts of the world. That's, that's incredible. Lindsay, if you could uh, also walk us through what your experience has been. Yeah, so I have a lot more of a classical education perspective of um, language acquisition. I, um, in high school, I took French as a foreign language because I had to, right? Um, but very quickly developed um, a love for um, the French language, but also for for just languages and peoples in general. Um, and at Western Michigan University, when it was when I had to declare a major, I said, "Well, how about French? Because I already know French." Um, and as I was going through my coursework. Um, decided I wanted to study comparative religions and, and I wanted to study that from a linguistic perspective and, and study um, texts, um, native texts, original texts. So I would have to learn those target languages. And so I was looking at ancient Greek and Latin and Hebrew and Arabic and um, didn't start all of them. I started ancient Greek and it was it was all Greek to me, right? It was it was a little too overwhelming, so I, I didn't continue with that one. Um, Arabic, however, um, really struck a chord with me. It's um, I think a lot of it had to do with my professors. Um, also, um, my my very first day of um, Arabic, I walked into class, and here all of us students were just sitting there waiting for you know, our prof to walk in and she walks in and it was Arabic charades. It was, it was immersion from day one. And she was so positive and upbeat about it that I just, I knew I had to learn this language. Um, and from there, um, the Arabic department head um, encouraged me to do um, a study abroad. And I said, okay, I'll do one semester. And he said, no, how about two? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I did the, the full two semesters, and by the end of my two semesters there, um, that immersion had really um, done so much for me that, that I, I could not have gotten in the classroom. Um, and so that was, 
um, that was a, a really neat experience as well in order to um, really delve into the language and 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 hear myself speaking and um, just all, all the importance of the different ways of learning a language. That's great. And that, yeah, that, that we're definitely going to be hitting on, <laughs> on what you were just talking about uh, as we, as we go through our tips. And I, I can just tell that both of you have so much to share and, and so many experiences that are going to be helpful to all of us listening. So um, just to introduce myself with uh, my language background, uh, I started, my first interaction with language was actually in middle school, a class that introduced us to French, Spanish, German, and Finnish, <laughs> which was, oh. I don't remember any Finnish, but I do remember from that class how to make crepes. So, <laughs> and uh, I remember just being excited about language though, and that's what really got me interested in German. And so in high school, when it came down to it, um, we didn't have to take a uh, foreign language in my high school, but I really wanted to take it. And it, it, you had an added benefit uh, with your graduation if you took it. So I decided to take German and uh, I did, I was so excited about German. I crammed almost four years of German into two years. Uh, my, my teacher let me like kind of work ahead and everything. And, and I was just so excited about German. And part of the reason I was excited about German too, is because after that middle school class, my dad, uh, he was an airline employee. So he, uh, took us, he took myself and my sister out to Germany on a trip with him. And that was my first international trip ever was going in middle school, going to Germany, going wow. down to like Munich and the mountains near there that down in the, uh, the Alps and, and, oh, it was so awesome. And I just wanted to talk with people. I, I, I just wanted to understand what they were saying. And it was so cool to be somewhere where suddenly the whole world is different around you. And, and just that, and I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself by saying this, but I, just that aspect of learning a language, just the fact that it opens up a whole new world um, that is new to you, I think is part of what makes learning a language so great and uh, why, it, why it's so worthwhile to, to do it. And so anyways, I picked up the German, and in Michigan we had this, where I was, I was in high school in Michigan, and we had a, a little German community. Um, some of you might be familiar with it listening. It's called Frankenmuth. <laughs> and uh, so our German <laughs> club would go up there, you know, in the fall and Oktoberfest, and we'd, you know, we'd eat the chicken and, and uh, you know, just go just to experience a little bit of German culture that's up there. It's kind of touristy, but uh, it's still pretty cool, and, and there is a lot to, to learn from all that, and we had such an awesome German teacher. Um, but anyways, not to belabor that, I also took a, uh, it was either a semester or a year of Spanish in high school as well. Kind of stumbled through that. Uh, but then after that, um, I actually became a missionary for my church, and I got sent to Taiwan, and I really wanted to go Chinese-speaking, so when I got the letter in the mail that I was going Chinese-speaking, I was shocked because I thought for sure I was going to end up going to Ohio or someplace that didn't have Chinese, <laughs> and so I was just so excited that I was going there, and um, so as a missionary, I was I was brought into a missionary training center where I prepared to be a missionary, but also prepared for the language. And that was nine weeks of training. 
and it was pretty intense training. It was formal training, um, but it was also very real training from somebody that's already been there and done the same thing that we were going to be going out to do. Um, but it was such a you know really treasured uh, chapter of my life because literally every day you're thinking about how can I help people and how can I be of service and you're using the language to do that and you're doing it in a totally new culture and you're really learning how to appreciate other people and and language is is just again it's one of those venues that opens that up and so uh, I was there for two years living in in Taiwan and picked up the language through that we had formal instruction you know self-study different materials that we would go through uh, everything from vocab lists to books that walk you through the grammar to uh, reading books and memorizing Chinese characters and with flashcards but then the big thing was going out and we'll talk about this later but going out every day and just talking to people day in and day out and putting yourself out there um, and that was huge so it took me about six months to feel like I could be comfortable doing everything by myself if I had to took me about a year to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm basically just adding vocabulary now. I've, I've got this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm basically fluent in just adding, you know, vocab. Um, and, but, but then, you know, there was still a lot of like, ask me, you know, how to say the drive shaft of a car. Well, I didn't know how to say that yet. And so there's, you know, aspects of the language I still had never developed and to this day still haven't, but I came back from Taiwan and, continued learning Chinese in university classes, um, took like business Chinese and, and things like that. And then I uh, went into the military and in the military, I was able to use what I had with the language already and go into an advanced uh, defense language Institute class, uh, which was a really awesome experience. And, and they actually sent me to Taiwan and China on language immersion assignments. Um, so once in Beijing, once in Taipei, and those were, just incredible experiences too, um, and really focused more on the professional side of the language. And then after that, I became a what's called a foreign area officer in the Air Force. And so that's where you're kind of recognized as somebody who understands a region of the world and can help with that and can help with the language. And so I ended up getting uh, to study at University of Michigan and get a Chinese studies master's degree. I had to use language as part of that. And I also did an, another uh, graduate study in geography and went over to China and worked on a remote sensing project where I interacted with China Academy of Science scholars and did some work with them. So the hope of all of this is I uh, wanted to really bring Lindsay and John onto the show because of obviously the experiences, the breadth of experience that they bring to this. It's just so awesome what they offer, and uh, hopefully I can offer something too. From my background, uh, we have academic covered, we have uh, study abroad experiences, uh, volunteering, uh, business world, military, government, like every, we have all these bases covered. So the hope is that by bringing the three of us together, we can help you with uh, any tips and advice that we can offer you to help you empower you to learn this new language or to continue learning it and improving as you go. And I will say that culture is a huge aspect of expanding your horizons, living overseas, et cetera, being overseas, traveling and that. But this show is going to focus primarily on the language, and we will definitely hit the cultural aspect 
in another episode in another show later on down the line. And I won't be surprised if I'm going to be inviting uh, both you, John and Lindsay, back to the show if you have uh, time for doing that later on down the line. We definitely love to. I think we can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Schedules to juggle. We are uh, very busy people, obviously. But uh, again, really appreciate you both coming onto the show. So let's get started on, on some more specifics. So the first thing I wanted to ask both of you is why learn a new language? What are some of the reasons that you think are important? Like what, what would, what is the benefit to somebody for learning a new language or maybe even adding another language? What, what comes to mind for both of you? I think my, my language development sort of started because I had to, um, I had to take a foreign language in high school. And so I, I took French, but then, um, quickly learned that I, I had this, this passion for languages. And so sometimes your reason for learning a language is um, necessity, obligation um, for education, for your employment, for your vocation. Um, but um, there's, there are so many more reasons that you can learn a language if you want to um, connect with those in your community or if you want to travel more or if you want to be um, more marketable with your vocation um, and you're doing this of your own volition, your own desire instead of, you know, because you have to, you know, there's, um, you can definitely um, expand your professional skills and your marketability um, by learning a language as well. Um, and oftentimes, once you've learned a second language, learning a third or fourth or fifth becomes easier because that part of your brain, that language acquisition part of your brain is, is developing. You've created those neural connections um, and you can just expand on, on that lattice that you've already built. John? Yeah. Um, I, for, for me, I, I don't think I have the same level of, um, uh, ability in in any of these languages as you guys do um however i i've used them for a little bit different reasons similar reasons too but um one thing you'll find why learn a new language if you're going to another country and you learn another language you build instant rapport uh, with those people there's an instant connection and they know that you're um, trying to um learn about them and and they're much more willing to help you um there's different colored taxis in shanghai um you'll see blue you'll see red and yellow and 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 a lot of people will tell you the blue taxis are more likely to rip you off right <laughs> but if, if 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 you know you know just a few simple words how to say left and right straight ahead turn around stop here and uh, um, you're a lot less likely to be. Um, it, I, I probably a number one reason um, would be to build trust with those around you that are in the country you're in. Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point, and I've, I certainly, I definitely have seen that. Uh, just how making the effort can go such a long way, uh, you know, with with people that you're associating with or communicating with in other places and it's it is so huge yeah and i would add too that you know going back to 
at the beginning of the show I was talking about, just how it, it really does open your eyes. It, it really it helps you. Learning a new language can really help you make different connections and, and see things from a different light and be able to just, just connect with uh, other people in the world in a way that if you didn't speak the language, you wouldn't be able to do that. Right. So, and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's just, it's just such a, it, it's like starting another life uh, in some ways. It, it really is. And, and you, you develop these friendships and these relationships that can last years and, Oh man, I could go on and on about <laughs> how great it is to learn a new language. And, you know, it's always one thing I wish I had more time to do to, to delve into some other, there's some languages in China that I would love to pick up even in Taiwan, you know, there's these dialects, you know, Taiwanese and, and John, you just talked about Shanghai. There's the Shanghai dialect and, you know, there's, there's all these cool little languages. Cantonese. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, there's so many opportunities, but, um, yeah, and and that's that. Yeah, there are so many benefits to to it, and uh, I would just say if you know if you're, the, and the, the obviously there's the career benefits and marketability and things like that as well, and and there's it it opens up doors of opportunity. I can't tell you how many times I've had opportunities to do really cool things, uh, whether it's volunteer stuff or work or whatever, or just in life just because I was able to speak the language, another language. Um, for example, the Olympics, when the, uh, when I was living in, uh, when I was at Utah State University doing undergrad, 2002 Winter Olympics. And uh, I went into, I say, yeah, I'll volunteer to help out with the Olympics once in a lifetime opportunity. And they came back and said, hey, you speak Chinese. Yeah, well, we need somebody to work with international media. And, and if you speak Chinese, that would be a really big help. And so I was able to do some really cool stuff at the Olympics, um, mostly because of the Chinese. And then on top of that, they offered me a job on top of volunteering. So I got a job out of it and I wasn't even looking for it. So it, there's so many cool opportunities. And, uh, but really I, th I think the, one of the main things is just expanding those horizons and, and connecting with people all across the world is so cool. Anything else on that point from either of you? Yeah, I, I don't know how to say it, but I, I guess, you know, you just got talking and there's there's something about when, when you speak that language and, and you show up in, in a village or a small town and, and you're there for a while and, you know, it's embarrassing how bad you are at speaking, but, but you try and over a month, two months, people start to, they, you start to have friendships, you know, and there, there becomes this love, this connection, and suddenly there's a lot more in that town, and, and, and you just suddenly understand things about that town that you otherwise wouldn't. I, I know we're kind of getting into the culture, but yeah. it's it's just so related to understanding just a few words, just a little bit. Um, suddenly these kids are following you around, you know, and uh, all sorts of opportunities. I, I just can't, I can't tell you how many opportunities have come my way just from knowing a little bit, just a little bit of a language mm -hmm. here and there. It, it, it's amazing how much the whole country opens up. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you judge that country's uh, by what you knew of its government. And now all of a sudden you're finding out that the people are a lot different than the government. And 
the stereotype that you had of the people was wrong. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and suddenly like, like you're saying, your eyes just are opened up to this whole other side of the world and, and you just have this love for them and, and ongoing relationships throughout your life really uh, that, that occur because of the technologies we have to stay connected with them. Yeah. I actually just wanted to add one more thing, um, just sort of out of that connecting to the, to those around you. Um, there's, um, so we, we bought our house here in Pittsburgh, um, I don't know, a year and a half ago ish. Um, and not long after we moved in the house across the street from us, um, was sold and the people that moved the, the family that moved in there, both parents are deaf. The children are hearing able. The children are the same, are the same ages as my older two children. Um, and, and so, that you know i've picked up um not much but i have picked up some american sign language in order to communicate right here at home in my neighborhood just walking around my neighborhood um i i'm able to you know to make that connection and and make friends with my neighbors because of that you know that language acquisition and um in so many places in our um, modern world, you're going to find that you're going to find people in your community at home um, that speak different languages. Um, and so that's, that's definitely another reason to learn a language is to connect with people around you, whether you're traveling or whether you're at home, you're going to find those opportunities. Yeah, that's a great point. It, it, I don't know how many times it has come in handy for me at home too. And and I like that you bring up ASL too, because that's that's such a you know that's that's a whole nother level of <laughs> language learning, but it can open up so many additional opportunities as well. I've had you know besides you, I've had other friends that have done that as well, and and it's it's just been huge. Now, when we're talking about reasons why somebody might have a hesitation or or uh, have challenges with learning a language, I know. I've been there. Uh, I've, you know, it's, it can be a daunting thing, right? It can be tough to learn a new language. We'll just say that. <laughs> it's, it's not the yeah. easiest undertaking. It's easier to not learn a new language, right? <laughs> you know? Oh, yes. <laughs> We're busy. And, you know, even if it's, even if it's just learning a language for the sake of being able to get around while you're traveling to make your traveling easier, just having the time to commit to, getting the basics of a language can still be a pretty daunting. So I think time is probably a, a big obstacle, right? With learning a language. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of other reasons out there. I don't know. What, what are some of the challenges you've had with picking up these languages and, or keeping them going and, or improving them? I, I think that the big one is fear um, of being embarrassed. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's, you know, you, you get up to a point with the language, and especially when, when you hit the highest point, and, and that's definitely behind me um, with with any of these languages because I haven't been in those countries for a while. And now when I see those people in the United States, if you're at a national park or, say, you're at Niagara Falls, you know, you're going to see a lot of diversity, and and you have to kind of force yourself to open your mouth. <laughs> and And... and uh, not be afraid of being embarrassed 
And I've, whenever I've been able to overcome that challenge, and even though I totally slaughter a few words or, you know, I kind of do embarrass myself, um, there's smiles on their faces. So it, they love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've made that step to connect with them. Yeah. Yep. I think fear of, of embarrassment or, or fear of, you know, failure it, um, can definitely be one of those fears. But I think a lot of times if you're really honest with yourself, um, you might be afraid of succeeding too. You might be afraid of, you know, what if I really do enjoy this language? What if I'm good at it? How will that impact my life? Um, if if this is something I'm good at, I'm going to have to devote more time to it. Joe, you mentioned time. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to, am I willing to change my daily routine? Am I willing to um, take um, a different direction with, my career? Am I willing to, you know, make these changes that might come of success in another language? Um, it's, it's a lot easier to just keep the status quo and, um, and it, it can be, it can be scary to look at, um, sort of a higher plane of existence. It can be scary to take that step outside your comfort zone into, um, to even see yourself as capable of learning a new skill, whether it be a language or whether it be um, a mountain climbing or, or whatever. It can be scary to see yourself as competent in that field. Um, but I think the, the pros definitely outweigh the cons. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's scary to take that step, but once, you know, once you have, learned that language or or whether once you're in the process of learning that language, a lot of those fears just completely dissipate. At least they have for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, it makes me think back to, I actually went to Egypt and I was sort of going, doing self-study in Arabic at the time. And, and I came back from Egypt and I sat down and I'm like, what's going to happen if I learn this language? <laughs> what's going to happen to me? <laughs> and it actually, it actually. Yeah, kinda, with your military background. Right, yeah, exactly. So I, I kind of took a different track with that, but it is a commitment and you have to be realistic about it. And I think part of helping with that is planning for it. And just, just knowing that, you know, when you go down this road, there will be you know, depending on what your goal is and, and, and that, but there'll be certain things you'll have to do to, to, um, number one, acquire the language. Number two, keep it going and, and, uh, achieve your goals. So yeah, those are all good, good points. And I would say to anybody listening there, you can come up with a lot of reasons why it's hard to do something. And it's hard to, especially when it, when it comes to a new language, but, we're going to spend some time talking about some things that will hopefully help you move beyond those and help you kind of break down those barriers and, um, and, and kind of break the task down into more manageable pieces, I guess is a way to, to put it. Um, and, and between the three of us, we've, we've all been successful to varying degrees of doing this. So um, what, I'd like to start talking about some of that. So First, I think the most important thing might be your specific goal with the language, right? Because, again, learning a new language can be daunting. You say, okay, I'm going to learn Italian. Well, a lot of people, when they think of learning Italian, they think of, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to become fluent, you know, completely fluent, just like I was born in Italy. 
right? <laughs> that's that's the end goal that's in mind for a lot of people when they think I'm going to learn. And, and even for me, when I f was thinking about learning language, and, and I think that's a good goal. I mean, it, it's definitely good to strive to that. But does that have to be the immediate goal, right? Um, there might be smaller goals that are more uh, readily achievable that you can break you can break the task up into smaller pieces and and therefore become successful and success builds on success right so for example if you are uh, wanting to travel and just be able to get around John you mentioned you know being in the taxi and being able to say straight ahead turn left turn right <laughs> don't rip me off uh, <laughs> That kind of thing. So I want I want a receipt, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Right. What's the rate before I get into the taxi? Yep. Um, so yeah, like just those simple things can really help you and empower you while you're traveling, and that's a goal in and of itself that you can probably achieve pretty quickly, right? Uh, whereas, you know, John, you, you with your business stuff, you know. Uh, let's talk about goals for a second. I'm curious what your perspectives are on this as far as, you know, what, what are some of the goals that are out there and how does that relate to how we go about learning a new language? Yeah, I think your goals. So when I, when I was starting to learn Arabic, um, obviously I was taking university courses, so I, I had to, you know, use, you know, I did pay attention in class. I did do my homework and use the curriculum that they were, you know, giving to me um, but my goal in learning the Arabic was originally was for that comparative religion um, and so I needed to learn um, standard Arabic um, Quranic Arabic in order to be able to read those religious texts um, and those historical documents um, and so that was um, that was definitely my academic focus um, and then with with French, um, one of one of the reasons that I chose French as my language in high school was um, a couple of reasons. As a child, um, my dad had had said random um, French phrases to me, bonne nuit at that time, and um, stuff like that. Um, but also, I was um, I was working at a dance studio. I had danced. I had done ballet from starting at the age of three all the way through my um, college career. Um, and I, um, a lot of ballet terminology is French. Um, and so I, that was, that was sort of my reasoning in, in choosing those languages. But then for my study abroad, I needed to learn um, Egyptian colloquial Arabic as well. Um, now, a lot of languages, you can sort of study the language and then you can go there and you're fine. Um, Arabic is, is <laughs> sort of a, a horse of a different color. Yeah. Um, standard Arabic is fairly comparable to Latin, and then the Arabic dialects are fairly comparable to Spanish, French, Italian, um, those those languages that have come from Latin. Um, and so I couldn't just study standard Arabic and then go get in a taxi in Cairo um, and get to where I needed to go. So I needed to learn the colloquial Arabic as well. So, um, so I, 
my goals for the language were based on what I needed out of the language at that point in time um, and and the other goals that I had academic goals and personal goals um, they they just sort of stemmed from that and that was my guidance in in um, how I progressed in those languages John yeah so my goals are a little different um, since I was kind of more thrown into the fire and all of my situations uh, my goal is when you're in the country uh, to just have a three by five card and um, pick out five words that would this is similar to what she was saying five words that you need for whatever purposes you know you find you you need to know like you know where's the bathroom right <laughs> things like that <laughs> those are important and so you you learn those on a card put five of those every day and you know if you're there for 20 days and you do that you're up to 100 words and you can be pretty creative with 100 words then all of a sudden you're at 200 words and now now uh you know as as the words go up the combinations of words uh start to come together now you're struggling with you know how do i how do i say this not in the american way but you know in the chinese way Right. Or the Malay way. Um, so that's stuff you have to kind of hear throughout the day. But as that kind of comes, as you're listening to uh, the radio there or you're listening to people talk, you're listening to people order lunch, um, whatever. You know, you might need to know how to say beef or white rice or chicken if you're in China, <laughs> if you want to eat. <laughs> kind of what they have. And um, so that that's kind of my, that was my goal. And also another goal is to find somebody there that um, kind of understands your plight. And so I, I had a few friends that were willing to teach me um, uh, Chinese. And, and uh, they were obviously native Chinese speakers. They're the engineers I was working with and living with. And so it wasn't too hard to recruit them to help me with five words a day. Yeah, consistency is so important, isn't it? And uh, just, just, uh, and it doesn't have to be a lot all at the same time, right? You just, just a little bit, as long as it's consistent day in, day out, you'll yep. really be surprised how much progress you can make with that. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And so, I, w I would just say to the listeners, you know, that if you're considering a new language, just, uh, you know. Just think about what your specific goal is. What is it that you want out of this language? Um, how, you know, you're going to be investing time into this, so make it work for you. So, yeah, I, I definitely am glad you brought up that point of consistency. And uh, Lindsay, you you know, you want to talk about when you've stopped and you need to start back up again, right? Yeah. Um, so, I was I was in college a decade ago, and the past, um, I don't know, five or six years of my life have not really been devoted to um, the languages that I've learned, um, but I've, I'm trying to sort of get back into those languages and, and pick them up again because I really miss that part of my life. Um, and I, I know I'm not alone in this where I've, I've learned a language and then I stopped using it and I've, I feel like I've forgotten so much. Um, and so for any listeners out there that sort of feel like they um, 
have have lost that opportunity. It, it's not lost. Um, you know, an old dog can learn new tricks or or even relearn what it used to know, right? Um, so I, um, in in the stage of life that I'm at right now, I'm a stay-at-home mom with young children. Um, oldest is in kindergarten, and we're homeschooling. And so I've been using this as an opportunity to make more time for myself um, and to incorporate it with our homeschool lessons, our homeschool routine. Um, and so we've been we've been learning. My husband speaks Spanish um, and has has done various um, personal and professional and and voluntary um use, he's he's used it in many aspects as well um and so we've been learning um spanish and french and arabic and american sign language um just little bits um throughout our homeschool day and instilling that that language in my um in my children from an early age i'm hoping will help them to um not be afraid of learning languages, but also um, it's helping myself to, to, I didn't really have a reason to relearn my languages until I made it a focus. Hmm. I thought, okay, I'm homeschooling. And so we can put this in our homeschool and it'll push me. It'll give me a goal to dust off my old textbooks and reconnect with um, some of my friends and, and some language partners that I've had and, and get back into these languages and um, and really reconnect with those peoples and those cultures. I know the the cultural aspect is is for a different um, episode, but yeah, finding you know just some vocabulary words for my children helps me to brush up on them. And oh yeah, I'd forgotten the the word for pig or whatever yeah. you know. And and so <laughs> so I'm, I'm relearning that vocabulary myself right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I've uh, there's been times where I've been in that felt like I was in that rut where I haven't been using it for a while. And uh, one thing that I've done that's helped is I've just I've just you know for lack of a better term I've I've felt like I just had to give myself a good kick in the rear. And so I just go mm-hmm. out and find something where I know it's going to take me out of a comfort zone, <laughs> and I'm going to have to learn the language, or I'm going to have to use the language, and I'm going to have to get better at it. And so I've I've you know, sometimes when I've found myself in that rut, I've just, I've kind of gotten antsy and started looking for something that will basically force me to, because, um, I'm, I'm, I can be really bad at being on the kind of self-study thing that, that you're doing or the kind of disciplined approach that you're taking <laughs> with your children and incorporating that into homeschool and all that. Like I'm really bad at that. So I found that I have to like look for opportunities that will force me into situations where I just absolutely have to like use the language to basically survive <laughs> or do my job yeah. or do something. And, um, that can be hard sometimes, uh, to, to find, but I, more often than not, when I've gone out looking for something, I've been able to find something I can, I can, uh, you know, get the good kick in the rear that I need for. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gl- glad you brought that up too. So if you're out there listening, uh, you know, it's, it's, it can be hard to learn the language, but 
the goal in mind that you have that's specific for what you want out of that language. You know, you are going to invest time and effort into this. So make it work for you. You know, you think about what exactly you want out of the language, what, you know, and, and, and how that relates to what you're going to be studying and make it fun too. Don't, um, and that's, that's one of the easiest ways to, to stop with your learning or to get discouraged and give up or whatnot is if it, if it's not fun anymore, right? Um, it has to be mm -hmm. fun and it has to be something that's, that's helping you. So, uh, when you start planning for learning that new language, you'll probably want to think about, okay, what do I want to accomplish and how will this help me? And, and what is, what are the fun things I want to do with this language? And, and that's going to shape hopefully how you, how you study, because, uh, it can be really daunting to just say, I'm going to go out and learn Italian today and, and then I'll be fluent in a year. Well, um, it's so much easier to just break it down into manageable tasks and into things that work for you. So I would say the goal is probably one of the most important things to, to really, you know, to, to hit that first before going into the nitty gritties about everything else as it pertains to learning a language. So, and, and by the way, I'm going to back up real quick on reasons why people might not learn a language. Um, we've heard this thing about age uh, mentioned and and how you know there, there's people out there that say well i'm too old i can't learn a new language anymore because old people don't you have to be a child to learn a new language well that's not, actually not accurate and i think all three of us have demonstrated <laughs> that that's not accurate uh <laughs> through our life experiences to for starters um, but it is true that children absorb things like a sponge right and and that is amazing to see um, with my own children learning english as they're you know moving my, my two-year-old who's forming sentences and words now it's so cool to see that and uh, it is amazing what their brains can do and they, they pick up language in a little bit of a different way um, but grown adults pick up languages too they just do it differently it's more of a systematic type of acquisition of the skill as opposed to that that sponge absorption thing right and uh, especially when you're not immersed in the language and, and such. So there is a, a different way that people learn languages when they're older, but they still can learn languages. And, and it doesn't matter how old you are. I've, I've personally known people who have been in their 60s, and I've, I've taught people in their 60s, you know, 70s, whatnot, new language skill with Chinese. So I know it can happen. So um, don't let age be, don't let that misconception of age stand in, in your way. So, okay, moving on, uh, we want to talk about some specific tips now, some things that the three of us have, have found have been helpful to us with learning languages after we have already established our goals, right? And after we, we have figured out what we want out of the language, um, some things that can help. And I want to talk first about immersion. Do, do, do uh, either of you two think immersion is important and, and actually being in country or actually being uh, surrounded by the language. Definitely. For me, that's, that's the only experience I've had is uh, from basically being thrown into the, being uh, immersed into it. And boy, it really, um, that, that certainly accelerates your, your desire and suddenly you find a lot of time <laughs> to, uh, to learn because the the language is all around you so it becomes a necessity yeah um 
there was there was what I learned in my my classes, um, and and as I mentioned, my um, my first two semesters of Arabic before my study abroad, um, my prof was very much into immersion, and she was very against speaking any English in the classroom. It had to be Arabic. Um, and so a lot of those first classes were, you know, charades. She would point to a chair or she would point to a desk or she would point to the window and she would tell us, you know, the words for it. And But the the classroom immersion that I had with, with that experience was very different from actual study abroad and living in the country and um, to take a taxi anywhere, to go to the grocery store, to um, pay your bills, to pay your rent, pay your electricity. Um, you had to know Arabic. And um, and so you, you had to get out of your comfort zone. You had to immerse yourself. And you had to find the words in your target language um, in order to do that. I think when you have the safety net of your of your native language to fall back on um you do it right um but if if you're immersed and you have to find the words in your target language you will rise to the occasion it will be hard but you will rise to the occasion and you will grow and it will it will be such um an immense learning experience for you yeah i remember well, one thing I did after my senior year of high school, um, my dad actually, as a graduation gift, he uh, provided me airline tickets and and a little bit of cash to go to Germany again. And this was after I had had a couple years of high school German. And it was amazing how much I picked up in just the like week or two that I was there compared to when you compare it to how much I picked up when I was in the classroom, it was, it was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It was like that week or two, like was an entire semester of being in the classroom. <laughs> it just, mm -hmm. I, I can't, I was suddenly, I started hearing things more. I started understanding what was happening around me more. And for, you know, just, just in the matter of like a week to a week and a half that I was there, it was amazing. The, the amount of progress just by being there for a little bit of time. And so, yeah, I, I agree with you both. Immersion is just so, so critical and there's really nothing that compares to it. There's, you can, you can study and study. In fact, there is this, uh, uh, Katie Nielsen out of Voxy. She, uh, mentioned something about how she said, you can't memorize a bunch of words and rules and expect to speak a language. What you have is knowledge of a language. You don't, and you know, so it's different to know a language, and that's typically the kind of things you'll get in the classroom, which is all a good foundation. Uh, and and I definitely recommend classroom training to a degree. But if you really want to step things up to the next level, and you want to acquire language skill and not just the knowledge of the language, uh, having immersion experiences is crucial, and uh, especially if you can get in country and and out there in those uncomfortable situations where you're having to use the language like you were talking about, Lindsay, where you absolutely have to do it to be able to, and there's nothing to fall back on. Uh, and there's so many opportunities. It, I know people can get 
discouraged by the potential cost of it all of going overseas and you know learning the language that way. Um, but there really are a lot of ways that you can pick up that language and go on an immersion without spending a lot of money. Uh, there's uh, there's scholarships, there's volunteer opportunities, there's and and one thing to think about too that a lot of people don't think about is depending on which country you're going to, it can be very inexpensive to live there compared to where you currently might reside. So you might want to take a look mm -hmm. at the math of it all, and, and, and you might actually save money <laughs> by going overseas for a while or going to, a, to an immersed environment for a while. I don't know if you, either of you two have any other ideas on, on uh, getting yourself in an immersed experience and, and, and it not being too cost prohibitive. I think a language partner. Um, a lot of times if you live um, close to a major university, um, you can, you should be able to just walk in and say, hey, I am interested in learning this language. Do you have any um, any exchange students or, or foreign students here from the countries that would, that would speak this language um, that I could maybe be um, a language partner with? Um, or if you don't live close to a university, um, just looking around your community. Um, I So this is a crazy story. So I just happened to be at um, a birthday party for um, the friend of one of one of the friends of my oldest um, child. And there was another mom there um, who was Middle Eastern. And so I struck up the conversation. Oh, you know, hi, I used to, you know, I studied Arabic and I lived in Egypt and, and um, it turned, as it turns out, she um, grew up in the same neighborhood where um, I was living, where my apartment wow. was when I was on my <laughs> study abroad. Um, <laughs> and so, um, so I, you know, these years after the fact, I, I had not used the language for a while, um, but meeting her gave me the opportunity to to have a language partner here um, and to, to brush up on those skills. Um, so lots of times all you have to do is get out the door, open your eyes and open your mouth, and you'll find um, opportunities to, to speak with native speakers and, and for them to help you with... Um, your pronunciation, your vocabulary, your um, understanding um, someone else speaking the language. You know, you can be reading it in the book or you can even be listening to your, your teacher, your professor in class who's um, enunciating very well so that all the students can understand. But then you're speaking with a native speaker and it's completely different. Um, but you just just get out of your comfort zone and get out of your house and, and find those opportunities because they're there. Yeah, that's such a good point. Even even right in our backyard, there's often great immersion experiences that you can go out and and uh, have, you know, without without going too far as well. And and uh, some of the good teachers out there can do a good job with uh, connecting you with those kinds of opportunities and all, all sorts of ways you can connect with people. And um, so that's that's awesome. John, you got anything else on that? Um, what I've done recently is I just went down to, uh, you know, a, a local restaurant that, um, 
where I know that they speak Mandarin and talk to the owner and she doubles she also um does teaches Chinese and so I'm I'm arranging with her to be able to um get a little tutoring um with that. I totally agree with Lindsay on utilizing the university. Uh I I was the first white person to be uh in the Malaysian Student Association at Utah State and that was wonderful for me. <laughs> that was that was really great. And yeah, just forcing yourself to um when when you hear that language being spoken, go go talk to people. I, I did that at Antelope Island. I was was the overlook and there was a couple people there and they're speaking Mandarin and, and I recognized that from being in Asia you can start to tell um uh what region they're from. You know, Beijing has the Beijing R and so I went up to these people knowing that they were from southern the southern part of China and lo and behold they were they were from Shanghai and um I got talking to them and I said, you know, I I uh I, I work there and I worked in a place called the China Bank building and she said I, I did too and, and she turns out she worked one floor lower than where my office was. And you know, that was pretty neat. <laughs> pretty cool. It's amazing if you open your mouth what and suddenly we, we had this connection that you there's no way and you could have otherwise but we, we just had a great discussion and, and it was really neat. It was really neat. <laughs> had yeah, our pictures take together everything. Yeah, and you know, there's an important takeaway in what both of you mentioned too is is that 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 point of opening your mouth, that point of uh being willing to make mistakes and just getting out there and, and just using the language. It's so, so important that you do what's uncomfortable, that you get out there and just talk and just try to form sentences and do your best and you will improve through that process. But if you don't do it, guess what? <laughs> no improvement, right? If you just keep doing the same thing or if you don't, you don't stretch yourself, um, that is, that is so crucial. And I don't know how many times, you know, when I was, especially when I was living in Taiwan, where I was trying to figure out how to say something, kind of talking around it or, or trying to put two characters together to form a word. And I wasn't sure if that was actually the right way to say it. And <laughs> there's been multiple times where my face turned quite red because they told me what I said was so ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> And you know yeah. that that's okay. That's just part of the experience. It is okay to make those mistakes. In fact, you should be making those mistakes if you're learning a new language. Because if you aren't, you aren't progressing. Um, and and I, do do either of you have an experience where you you like kind of you you made a mistake while you're doing the language and uh, just something you remember from way back? So there's um, so when you're in Egypt, um, pigeon is a delicacy. You can go to a, a restaurant and you can order pigeon, right? So, um, but as it turns out, the Arabic word pigeon, hamama, sounds very sil similar to the Arabic word for bathroom, hamam. And so, um, <laughs> but my friends and I were all out um, just to... Um, we were all out to dinner and um, one of us was like, oh man, we should really try pigeon. And and so the, the long and short of the story is we ended up um, uh, 
asking for bathroom instead of pigeon. <laughs> and <laughs> the waiter just was laughing, just beside himself laughing. And, um, and it's, you know, you, you, because we put ourselves out there because we were, you know, um, willing to, to take this step and, and try a new food and, and learning this new language and everything. Um, we, said we wanted to eat the bathroom for dinner, which sounds just, car- <laughs> just <Yeah>. ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, but it's, you know, it, we all had a good laugh about it. And um, and I bet and, you never, ever made that mistake again, right? <laughs> oh, no. No, <laughs> stuck never with you again. For life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, that's the good thing about making mistakes is you probably won't repeat it, especially if it's an embarrassing mistake <laughs> like that. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, so don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, go out there and have fun with it and, and just uh, just be willing to laugh at yourself too. You know, that's that's a big part of it. You have to be humble. To, I, I think we can probably all agree uh, between the three of us, you really have to be humble to learn a new language. You have to really swallow yeah. some pride. <laughs> And be willing to just put yourself out there and, you know, be be like the my two-year-old right now who's forming sentences and she says some of the cutest things, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it, is a, it is an exercise in being humble. So another thing uh, kind of related to this is hearing yourself talk. That's one of my tips that I wanted to bring up. And I don't know if, if either of you um, have had similar experiences, but my experience when I was a missionary, I was actually learning uh, entire, memorizing entire paragraphs of oral uh, word and, and then sounding the, and then speaking that like I, I would, I would memorize it and then I would say it from memory. I would actually physically speak it. And, um, and then I would like take those canned, you know, paragraphs and that, and I would adapt it to, you know, what I was, if I was teaching something or if I was out talking to people. Uh, and the benefit I found with that is, first of all, you hear yourself saying it, you hear yourself doing the language. And that is actually really critical. There's a, there's some research done at Montreal University, as well as uh, um, some others that I was hoping to kind of get, get some of that put together before the show, but time escaped me. But there, there's been research that has shown that as you physically speak a language, it sticks with you much better than if you're just reading it or just memorizing it or, you know, you, but the act of actually speaking it makes you, your, your brain actually remembers that better than if you didn't speak it. And so that helped me tremendously. And it also helped me number two, because if you can find oral text that, you know, something that's written the way that something should be spoken properly and, and, uh, with all the correct grammar and that, if you, if you can find, cause, cause writing style is different if it's written for literature than if it's written for spoken word. But if you can find spoken word text or even, you know, watch something, memorize it and then say it, you know, watch a movie and a sentence of a movie and then say the sentence, you're picking up grammar as well. You're picking up the the way that the words all fit together, and how people say things uh, in in day to day language. And so memorizing, memorizing how people are saying things, and then uh, entire paragraphs, even 
that helped me tremendously with being able to have good grammar. Uh, with Chinese, you have to have good tones. Uh, and, and it just really helped me put all the pieces together. And I was able to just take little, take bits of structure from one thing and apply it to something else I'm going to say just using a couple different words. And, and so it really helped me in that regard. And I don't know if you two have any experiences with that as well. The, the key for me was just speaking for sure, like you were saying. And um, I, I'll be honest, um, grammar, tones, that, that's, that's been a challenge, especially in Chinese, mm -hmm. you know, funny stories. I mean, gosh, I've got plenty of those. Um, you know, name and water are really similar, and I've often asked people, you know, what what their water is, basically, or what their <laughs> name is. I mean, I it's that's really easy to do, isn't it, Joe? With the tones, yeah, the tones. Some are of those huge. words are so similar. You're, you're just going to make those mistakes, and and you're just going to have to try. I, I, that's really interesting to me to to hear that that's a, a good strategy, and I I'd like to maybe. Uh, try that out a little more and see how it works. Cool. Um, when I was studying French, um, one of my um, one of my instructors was um, she used us as guinea pigs. She had all sorts of research that she was doing on phonetics and pronunciation, um, and I actually had her for two classes. Um, so I got sort of a double whammy of this um, this new technique that she was developing. But she had designed, um, she worked on this software where um, the you speak into a microphone and, and you've got your headphones, your whole headset, right? And um, you're supposed to say, um, you start with just sounds, vowel sounds, consonant sounds, um, and then you're putting them then you're putting them together and you're making words and then you're putting the words together and sentence you know making sentences um, but the computer the the software would analyze the sounds that you're making um, and it would tell you oh your mouth was a little bit um, too wide you need to um, to drop your jaw a little bit to to get this sound just right um, and from that, I, um, after taking that course, taking her courses, um, I had countless, um, countless native speakers telling me, wow, your pronunciation is amazing. I have never heard, you know, an American with such good French pronunciation. And, um, and before I, you know, before I had taken her classes, even, in my university coursework, just, you know, the grammar coursework and everything, you know, my pronunciation was really not that great. Um, but with this, um, this program that she was designing really, really helped, um, you know, and you could, it would play back, it would record you and you could play it back. And so then you could hear um, after the fact. So you didn't just hear yourself as you were saying it, but hearing your recording you know, your recorded voice played back to you. Um, and then you can listen and you can say, oh, yeah, I really needed to change the shape of my mouth right there. Um, but it was, you know, it was this really incredible program. Um, her name is Vivienne Rouleau, and she she works um, for Western Michigan University. So if there are any French speakers out there, um, her phonetics um, 
stuff is, is pretty amazing. Look her up. Wow, that technology is so amazing. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing where things are going with that. And, you know, and even if you can't get the technology, though, just having somebody that can give you feedback, um, a native, uh, somebody that knows what they're doing, and uh, that, that alone is, is just so huge, too. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's cool. I'll have to look into that, see if there's uh, – because people struggle – like John said, people really struggle with the tones in Chinese, and that's, you know, I've, I've noticed with foreigners trying to learn Chinese, that's one of the biggest – um, things that can take people down is they, they just, you know, if you don't get the tones right, you know, you, you say a completely different word. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so language buddy, we kind of talked about that and having somebody that can hold. I, I will say that if you're going to pick at somebody to be your tutor, be your language buddy, your feedback giver, what have you, whatever you want to call them, um, it could even be a girlfriend, boyfriend, spouse. <laughs> <laughs> make sure there's somebody that ho- just just have them hold you to it you know don't don't let them because because a lot of times the person helping you can revert back to you know the your common language between the two of you as well and and so it, the the english or whatever the language common language is and so be careful to to make sure that you know you, you establish some some expectations and hey you know make sure you hold me to it and that helped me a lot too with my experiences a couple times both uh volunteer stuff and military where i've been in immersion immersion environments and um i actually had to i had to sign a contract that said i wouldn't speak a word of <laughs> of english so i i actually had wow. a signature for it <laughs> in one of my immersions so um, my, my honor was on the line. So <laughs> it was pretty, pretty interesting pressure there. Uh, you know, another thing that has come up is like movies, videos, things like that. Um, I don't know if, if, if you two have found benefits from those. Definitely. Movies are huge. Um, for me anyway, I, there's, I, I love the Kung Fu movies and, uh, <laughs> they're, you know, and, I've watched them enough that, you know, I, I know what the words are and, and, and it helps me hear. Um, being able to hear is really hard at first, especially um, Chinese is very difficult. Um, it's kind of funny when you first get there, you think that everybody is just really angry at each other. And <laughs> and you find out what they're talking about. And they're just saying, hey, let's, let's go get John uh, something really good to eat. <laughs> and you think that they're arguing. And so at first, um, just being able to hear is, is, and, and I think it helps with that. It's funny. It's, it's kind of that same way with Arabic. There's a lot of really harsh sounds. Um, and, um, and it, you, you feel that same way too. Like, oh man, are they yelling at each other? Are they mad? Oh no, they're just, they're just talking about how their families are. And, um, yep. <laughs> um, but I found, when I was on my study abroad, um, being able to just turn on the TV and just watch something really helped with understanding the spoken word um, and that auditory learning. Um, but you don't have to be in the country with, you know, with today's technology, you can just hop on YouTube or you can yep. hop on to any news outlet. Um, for me, for French, um, we had to watch um, – we had to listen to um, articles from TV Saint Mons, um, which is um, a French news outlet. And then when I was um, in Cairo, um, I took a media Arabic class there. And so every day 
um, well, four days a week, I would walk into the classroom and we would be listening to BBC Arabic and we would have to break apart, you know, one of the news articles and, and really understand it and get the, you know, the vocabulary from it. And you're learning that, you know, that grammar and, um, and um, so news outlets, movies, TV, um, and then the music. Um, I, when I was on my study abroad, I really, um, really took hold to Amr Diab. He is one of the Egyptian um, singer-songwriters, and he's has been very famous for decades. And um, and so I would learn a lot of his songs. I would listen to them. I'd look up the lyrics, and I'd you know, I'd really, really study like one song at a time. Okay, this, these are the lyrics. And so I'm going to try and listen for him and make sure that I'm understanding them as he's singing them. And, um, and songs are actually really difficult. Um, songs, poetry, any, anything like that is really difficult because um, that you've got native speakers using the language and then they're playing with the language to be artistic with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really tricky, but it's so much fun. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. There, that's been one thing that uh, has helped me a little bit too. Is just when you when you hear music too, you 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 tend to internalize it and you remember it. Music can really help you mm-hmm. remember things and and just how how powerful that can be. And uh, you know, John, you talked about rapport earlier. Uh, in in Chinese culture, singing songs is kind of a an indicator of somebody that is a moral person, somebody that can be respected and and uh admired and uh so i i've even made an effort of just occasionally you know learning a, a couple children's songs and <laughs> and people are really surprised that i know these children's songs <laughs> and uh and but but you really build that rapport and that that connection with people and and just how cool that is but then it also like like uh and that's a really good point Lindsay. just how poetic and how um kind of complex those songs can be and you really pick out a lot of uh, the structure and the technicalities of the language and, and the artistic side of it, it just by doing something like that. That is, that is such a great way to, to kind of boost things. And, and the videos, the videos have helped me a little bit, the movies and that, that's, uh, I, in fact, I was just coming, I was flying back from Washington DC last week and or earlier this week. And, and, uh, the, you know, they, there was some different entertainment options on the screen. And I realized that there was some foreign language, opportunities there so i looked at some of the chinese ones and i found one movie i thought would be kind of cool and i was able to watch the movie on the plane and just uh, start absorbing stuff from the movie which was a really great way to spend what could have been a really boring time on a very long flight <laughs> so that was that was cool yeah uh you know i think that's a great example of just taking sorry of just taking life as it comes and creating your own learning opportunities as you go along. Yeah, just, yeah. Again, like getting out of your comfort zone and, and making, um, making your language acquisition a purposeful, conscious thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I found, I found it to be really beneficial, really helpful to do that. So common word lists is another one. Uh, you know, we talked about specific goals for a language and, and trying to match the goals to what you learn. And one of those very tangible items that you can you can uh, look at is 
sometimes depending on the language and depending on what you want to do with the language, there might be a list of the most commonly used, uh, the most commonly used words, right? So, uh, there's a lot of words like, you know, Chinese has what John, like something like 50,000 characters that you could possibly yeah, learn. That, that is, that's a challenge with Chinese because, you know, you can't like Malay, uh, you could phonetically, you can read it. Chinese. No. Right. It, right. It's, it's, it's difficult. And so, yeah. so, you know, there, not all of those characters are actually used in everyday language. Right. So there's, there's a smaller set of them that are the most commonly used words. And, you can actually go online and, and find those words, and you can go to a different resort. You can get flashcards that have them, and you can learn the most commonly used words. And then also, you know, depending on what you're doing with the language, there might be a commonly used word list for the specific things that you're going to be doing with the language. Like maybe you are uh, going on a certain type of a business trip. Well, there's certain words that you would use when you pick somebody up at the airport, you take them out to dinner, you know, and and there's you know so instead of having this huge project of all these thousands and thousands of words to learn you start with something smaller that that helps you achieve what you need to achieve with the language and then you can build on that from there uh but you know even like with my volunteer stuff there was very specific you know there was like a th I had a thousand word list of the thousand words that in that environment I'm typically going to have. And so that was part of my study curriculum. So if you can get your hands on something like that, that can be really helpful as well as, is finding those commonly used words. Yeah. And for, for me, I had to look at plans, right? Technical plans. Mm -hmm. And so some of the, the only characters I can even point out are, are things like biogas. It's <laughs> <You know, laughs> not common at all, but on the plan, that's what I was looking at. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of had to pick those up so that you could mark them up and make sure that they build something that's actually going to work. That that was a challenge. So now I this mean, is a great example too, by the Google way. Translate. Oh, sorry. This this is a great example too, by the way. Of you know, John knows how to say biogas, and I've been I've been learning I've been speaking the language much longer than he has, and uh, you know, at, at a, and I've had more exposure to it. But I don't know how to say biogas. I know how to say gas, chi. But like, you know, I don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. He has a very technical side of the language specific to what he was doing in China, whereas I've never had to use that. So I don't even have that. You know, a lot of the terms he probably has. So you know, he's been successful with his very specific things that he needs to do with the language, and. And that's that's awesome, and and you know I would I would probably walk into one of his meetings and probably not know half the words they're talking about, right? I'd have to do some pretty pretty was, serious study. It was a real challenge because the translator, um, he quit I think two weeks into the project. Oh no! <laughs> and besides that, when I had a translator, um, as you're as you're well aware, you go 50 miles in China and there's a new dialect, and and I remember right. once asking, what are they saying? And then he said, well, they, it's a different dialect. I don't know. <laughs> and, um, so it, it, it's a challenge, but I, yeah, I mean, that built building something technical is really hard because even your translator doesn't know the words. Yeah. So you have to teach them what they are. And, and so it, it is tough. And so that's why I say, thank heavens for Google translate. I, 
can't tell you how much I had to use that. So if, you, if you're ever building a, a renewable energy facility um, in China, I, I really recommend that you you um, lean heavily on Google Translate. Yeah, that's a great tool. That's a that's a real good tip. I've, you know, it used to be with Chinese in particular, you would have to use this dictionary where you look up a radical and then it tells and then how many strokes on the radical and then you go to the all the two stroke radicals and then it tell and then you look up the character and it tells you what page the character's on and you flip to the page and now you look at under all the characters with that radical. It, it was so it takes such a long time, oh. you know, when you don't have an alphabet to work with, you have to go through all this and and then. You know, now we have this Google Translate where as long as you have it in a OCR version, a, like a PDF or an online document, you just copy and paste, throw it in there, and it tells you how to say the character and what it means. And that is such a huge help. So um, for anybody learning Chinese, that's a that's a great tip. Um, and, and even the other languages, too, if, if you, you know, it, it does so many languages. Um, it's, the translations are not always perfect, especially when you start forming entire sentences it can get really sloppy and really wrong. Uh, so mm -hmm. you don't want to rely on that, but, <laughs> yes. it, but if you run into a word, you know, or, or maybe a few mm -hmm. words here or there, it's definitely a great tool for that. And, uh, so yeah, great, great, great tip there. So you, all the, all the things that came to mind as far as what I would say to help somebody, uh, we've already talked about, but I'm sure there might be a few other things between the two of you. If there's anything else you wanted to add, as far as tips for somebody learning a new language? Um, I would say, you know, don't, don't get discouraged on opportunities that you feel like you might be missing. Um, so when I was in high school, I, we had, um, the way our classes were set up, you could take like two years worth of any um, subject in just one year. Um, and so I took four years worth of French classes in two years. That was my sophomore and junior year. And then my senior year, I really, really wanted to take AP French. And there were, there were some other students that also were interested in taking AP French. And so we all signed up, but there was not enough to run the class. And the rest of them, there was like, I don't know, a dozen of us or so. Uh, the rest of them were just like, oh, whatever. But I really wanted to take AP French. And I was like, I need to take this. I really want to, like, I, I had my schedule built around taking AP French. What am I going to do? Um, but then I was, um, as I was brainstorming with my high school French teacher, he said, well, um, you know, you, you could always be my teacher's aide and, you know, pick one block during the day where you come in here and you're helping me grade papers or you're, you know, and, and if I don't have any papers for you to grade, I can have some supplemental material for you to be working on. Um, so there was that. I didn't have the AP French, but I, I, I was able to have like this one-on-one -on -one with my high school French teacher. Um, and then my senior year of high school, there was also an exchange student from Chartres, uh, from France. Um, and, and so I was able to befriend her. Um, and then, oh, and this actually... I, I wanted to bring up connections, make connections, personal connections, professional connections, and keep in touch um, with with those contacts that you've made. Um, so when I was um, when I was on my study abroad in Cairo, um, I had like a six week break 
between the two semesters. And so I, I ended up coming home for a month or so before I went back for my second semester. Um, but I, um, my dad happened to be in Saudi Arabia at the time when I was in Egypt. And so we met up in Paris before flying home, but he, um, he sort of put me on the spot. He said, okay, I paid for, I helped pay for your, um, for your education and for your French classes in particular. And I've always wanted to go to Paris. And so we're going to go to Paris for however many days and you're going to be my translator on our way home for Christmas. And I said, <laughs> no okay, pressure. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, and that switching back and forth between languages was, was very difficult too. I had just, I had just been immersed in Arabic for an entire semester mm. for four months. And I had to put all of that aside and, and dust off all of my French in order to, to do this. Um, but as it turns out, while we were there, we were able to stay um, and to spend a couple of days and stay a night with um, this girl that I had met in high school that was an exchange student um, because we had kept in contact. Um, and I, I said, hey, Claudie, I'm going to be in Paris. And Jacques says, only oh, 45 minutes to an hour from Paris if we take the train. You know, is there any way that we might be able to see you? It's during the holidays. You'll probably be home. And, and she said, oh, yeah. And, and just um, we were able to stay one night with her family, and, and we were able to catch up. And, um, and so keeping in contact with her was able to help me um, with this, this travel opportunity and with um, trying to remember the French that I had learned and, and sort of forgotten as I was in Egypt and, and everything. And it was just this really awesome opportunity. Um, and I think um, had I just gotten discouraged my senior year of high school with, oh, I guess I can't take the AP French class and just let French go off by the wayside, I don't know that I would have um, studied languages in college, and I don't know, or at least to the degree that I did, and I don't know that my life would even be the same today because of it. Um, and so even though there was that roadblock, that door closed, there were these other two doors that opened. Um, and and so just don't get discouraged when you feel like you're missing an opportunity. Um, there's, you just got to keep looking and keep trying, and there will be opportunities for you to um, to get what you want out of your target language. Thank you. Yeah, that's that. Those connections, you know, learning the language it helps you build those connections, and then, like you say, maintaining those connections, and it, it can it can be so empowering. And that's such great advice. Really appreciate that. John, anything else? I I would just second what she said, building those connections and trying to keep them uh, through uh, Skype and other types of uh, uh, con communication opportunities we have now. I, I still get a hold of some of my uh, contacts back there, and, and it's, it's always fun to catch up with them anyway, and you get to practice your language and... and uh, and it's just, you know, it keeps that connection to that country that you've already built, too. Appreciate both of your, both of those great tips of advice. And 
uh, kind of related to that note, you mentioned Skype, and you know, there's some there's some great tools that are out there and resources. Uh, in every Uncharted uh, podcast, we try to have a section where we talk about specific resources or gear, something that can help you with uh, what your explorations, anything that can help explorers out there with uh, learning new language is one thing I wanted to add before we uh, finish with this episode. So <clears throat> any uh, specific tools or resources or gear that comes to mind that has helped you with your language? I would say with the Egyptian colloquial Arabic, um, the spoken Arabic, the textbook that I used was um, it's called Dardasha, which just means chit-chat or, um, you know, small talk. Um, that was that was key in being able to get around the country um, and being able to take a train or a taxi or, or the metro or something um, while traveling and actually be able to pass for someone that actually lived there. Um, I, two of my roommates, um, while I was there, um, had studied only, um, standard Arabic and hadn't, hadn't studied any colloquial Arabic at all. And, um, there was, there was one time we were on our way back to Cairo from Luxor. We had gone to upper Egypt to see some of the temples and, um, um, and just be tourists for a long weekend. And um, we were on a train back that technically wasn't supposed to have foreigners. It was only supposed to be people who lived in Egypt. Um, and obviously not looking like Egyptians, um, there was a security, card, a security guard that walked past us and sort of did a double take and turned around and started asking us about ourselves. And... Um, I was able to, you know, step up to that conversation and said, yes, we have an apartment in Maidi in Cairo, and um, yes, we live here, and we just came down for the long weekend, and, you know, and and it was, um, if I if I didn't have that colloquial Arabic from the Dardasha book, um, I, I don't think I, <laughs> I think... Something else may have. I don't. I don't know that we would have gotten in trouble, but, um, but just having having that, um, you know, that colloquial knowledge um, really helps to to get around the country, and even like John said, you know, knowing which taxis to take and, you know, um, and how to talk with your taxi driver. A lot of that stuff was in my my colloquial. Um, textbook and I could have gotten that from a language partner as well um, or you know but that Dardasha is, was that textbook that really really helped me with that <laughs> that's so cool <laughs> there's another benefit of learning language getting you keeping yourself out of trouble <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you never know when it's going to be useful yeah. so that's that's incredible yeah all right yeah I had a um, it's kind of kind of different but I would take pictures of characters because um, people couldn't understand me very well <laughs> so if I really need to use the bathroom and I'm trying to tell them I need the bath where's the bathroom they don't understand I just pull up on my smartphone a picture of the character <laughs> for bathroom yeah 
and then they smile and <laughs> bring me to it, you know. <laughs> but um, you have to be a little creative, and you can use technology that way. It's pretty interesting. Yep. But... Well, my tool that I wanted to share is it's something I picked up from my military language studies, but it is useful for everybody, and it's online. It's this uh, website that the Defense Language Institute in Monterey runs. Uh, they have a great website. It's called GLOSS, G-L-O-S-S, which uh, stands for, I think it's global, let me check here, Global Language Online Support System. And I'll post the link to that in the show notes, but it, it, the, if you need it now, it's G-L-O-S-S dot D-L-I-F-L-C dot E-D-U. That's you know, so GLOSS dot, you know, D-L-I-F-L-C for Defense Language Institute Foreign Language Center edu. And <clears throat> for those that aren't familiar, DLI does a fantastic job with training uh, folks for foreign languages. And this GLOSS website has a bunch of canned lessons at all different levels of language ability. ability. And you can pick the language. The, the defense language proficiency test uh, is on a scale of like, one to three, well, up to four if if you want to get the you know near native and native capabilities. But most people test anywhere between one and three, and uh, three being the highest. And you can pick a number of languages. If you're at the website, you can see there's you know Arabic, Iraqi, Arabic, Yemeni, uh, Croatian, German, Hindi, Kumanji, North Korean, uh, Dari, Azerbaijani, Chinese, Mandarin, Chinese, you know, Arabic, Sudanese, Farsi, uh, Hwasu, Japanese, Pashtu. I mean, there's so many languages on here. Uh, and you can pick the modality. If you want a listening exercise or a reading exercise, you can pick the competence, whether it's discourse, lexical, sociocultural, structural, and topics. They have a number of topics here, culture, economy, environment, geography, military, politics, science, security, society, and technology. And so what you do is you pick one of those languages and with and you can do a search for lessons and you bring up one of those languages and there will be either video or audio or newspaper articles what have you in the lesson and it will give you all the vocabulary you need to move through that lesson based on your level of language ability and it is just such a cool multimedia uh, resource. And I actually used this for my own language uh, test last year. I took a couple months of just going through a bunch of these lessons before my language test, and I increased my score uh, up to the next level by doing it. So it, it turned out to be really helpful to me. And the cool thing is, too, is they have these instructor notes that will tell you, it, it kind of it goes into some of the nuances of what you're learning about. So it's not just giving you a newspaper article with the vocabulary, but it's also giving you some of the background information, just like you would get in a class of stars, like the grammar and structure and things like that. And, and even like the, you know, if there's cultural issues behind the vocab that you're using and stories behind it, where their word came from, there's all kinds of cool instructional notes. So it's a really, really great resource that I found to be, and it's free. It's just go on there and it's right there. So uh, I mm. definitely recommend anybody who's learning a language. If one of those languages is your language, you know, you can, you can go from beginner all the way up to basically native capability on, on this stuff. It's, it's yeah. really awesome stuff. And they're, they're always so I just adding on here. And while you were talking, 
and noted that they didn't have Malay, but they have Indonesian, which is 90% the same. Huh. And so um, it's great. It, it, it's wonderful. And it's, I, I'm going to try it out. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to look that up, too. That sounds like a really great resource for me to, to really reacquire these languages that I have learned and, and not used recently. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to hear how it goes for both of you too. And, uh, but like I say, it's, it's really been a great resource, um, with my own study. So, uh, and they're adding lessons to this occasionally as well. So it, they try to keep it updated with, um, fresh content. I mean, it's not real fresh. It's not like, you know, this happened yesterday because they, they have to go in and really turn it into a really good lesson, which takes a lot of time. Um, but it definitely has, you know, stuff that's, you know, been happening recently within the last five years or so and, you know, pretty, pretty cool mm -hmm. stuff on there. So, uh, I definitely recommend that. All right. Well, those are the gear tips. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody else has anything you want to add to this discussion that's out there listening, any explorers that have been through language learning and have some tips you want to share with us, I can certainly include those in our show notes and, um, we can always bring you on for one of our Explorer highlights uh, during uh, another episode later on down the road. And we'd be definitely interested in hearing from you. And, it, you know, I'm sure we've we've covered a lot of ground, but I'm sure we might have missed something. And you know, everybody has different things that have helped them. So we'd be really interested in hearing from you if you have anything to add to this discussion. And uh, also, if, uh, if anybody wants to get in touch with uh, these two, I'm, I'm always in touch with them. And um, they're great friends. I couldn't I couldn't have thought of two better people to bring on to this show for this particular topic and, and really thank both of you for being on the show and making the time. I know is, I know you're both in, insanely busy and, and uh, lots of things going on. So, and this was all kind of put together last minute, but I really appreciate um, taking the time to talk with, uh, talk with all of us here on the Uncharted podcast. Um, so, it was a pleasure. Thanks for inviting us, Joe. Yeah, it's been a, a good learning uh, thing for me. I've got a lot to think about now. So, this is great. Yeah. So thank we, you. yeah. Well, again, thank you again. And we will, if if you have any questions, follow up questions for any of us, you can email uh, our podcast at uncharted.net email address. And uh, I will forward the question on to either of them. If you have a specific question for either Lindsay or John or myself, um, we'll definitely get back to you on that. And uh, like I say, if you have anything to share, by all means, go ahead. And so the last thing I wanted to do is uh, before we close, if you don't mind saying something, uh, saying goodbye or what have you, and you're in a language of your choice before we close. Not to put you on the spot. <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't quite hear that. It kind of broke up on my end. <laughs> so if you have, uh, if you want to say goodbye or some kind of closing comment oh, okay. in, your, in a language of your choice to the audience, uh, oh. now's the time to do it. So okay. you're on the spot now. <laughs> Okay. Um, alaikum. <laughs> okay. And that was Arabic, right? That was for that Arabic. Was, that and was Arabic. Yeah. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> yep. It's it's peace be upon you, but it's a general greeting for when you when you see somebody, but also when you're when you're leaving them. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. All right. Yeah. John. So uh, in Malay, it's very similar. Um, I'm picking Malay because it's similar to hers. It's Salamat Tingal. Ah, okay. Okay. Very similar. Well, I'm yeah. going to go to my go-to Chinese, which is which is Xie Xie Gawei, Lu Xing Yu Kuai.
which is uh, thank you, everybody, and pleasant journeys. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again. We will be in touch, hopefully, to bring you back on the show sometime next year when we talk about cultures, if you are both available for that. I would thanks, definitely Joe. be excited. Yep. Okay, great. Well, thanks again, both of you, for coming on to the show. And now we'll go ahead and continue on to the next part of the show, which is the Waypoint section. And this Waypoint I stumbled across online looks like a fantastic event. It's called the Montreal Language Festival, or Langfest for short. And this will be held, coming up next will be in August of 2018, August 21st through the 26th at Concordia University in downtown Montreal. And what this event is, it looks really cool. It looks like a, essentially it's a bunch of people that probably the same type of people like some of you out there who might be listening, people that are really excited about languages and learning new languages come together and there's all sorts of conferences and information exchanges uh, ability to meet new friends and just meet, meet people that are into the same kind of thing you are when it comes to language learning and being able to see some of the newest technologies and methods and information that's out there and tools that can help you learn new languages. So it looks like a really fantastic event and they have a bunch of other, you know, optional events you can pick, for, pick and choose from as well. Uh, but again, that's uh, called the Langfest or the Montreal Language Festival, and that will be held August 21st through the 26th of 2018. So they have a website. You can go to their URL. It's montreal.langfest.org. And of course, if you Google that or search for it in your browser, you'll probably stumble across it that way too. And if anybody goes to that, let us know how it goes for you. Just uh, shoot us a message at podcast at uncharted.net or uh, you can leave a voicemail at our uncharted.podcast uh, Skype channel and let us know how that goes for you. We'd be really interested in talking with you about that if you do go and some of the things you might have picked up if you did go. Last but not least, a couple Uncharted news and announcement items. So first, just want to reiterate that Part of what we're trying to do at Uncharted here is help you more easily discover and explore the world around you. So because of that, we are offering some workshops or mentoring or training, whatever you want to call it. We're offering help <laughs> for anybody who would like to improve your photography skills and also anybody who is interested in improving your land navigation skills, your ability to use a map and a compass and be able to navigate through the woods per se. So those two topic areas, uh, Alan Murray is, is offering to help with the photography training, and I am personally offering to help with the land navigation instruction. And so we are willing to customize that however you want. There is going to be a charge, but we'll do w what makes sense for the customized experience that you want to have. And uh, we, the main goal is to just try to help any of you out there who want to develop in those skills to be able to do so. If you go to the Uncharted.net website, you can sign up for that pretty easily. You just go to the Learn section and fill out the form, and that helps you sign up and get started. And again, it's totally customized. It can be online. It can be in person. Whatever works best based on where you live or what your schedule allows and what have you. Uh, we just want to start 
reaching out and helping as much as we can with that type of mentoring, coaching, training, uh, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, and we can even do workshops if you would like, and uh, we are be more than willing to help you with whatever you're trying to reach for in those two areas, photography and land navigation. Also, we're still actively soliciting for feedback about the Uncharted.net website. We want this to work for people, and we want it to be something that helps you. But we want to know what you think the coolest capabilities could be. What, what kinds of things can a website do for you at the Uncharted.net website that can help you better explore the world? And so if you have any ideas for improvements or you see stuff that's broken or you just have some general feedback we would love to hear that and we are actively asking for it and you can send that feedback to the feedback at uncharted.net email address also as we talked about in our discussion about learning a new language learning another culture adapting to a new culture and working within the context of another culture that can be a whole nother can of worms to talk about and a whole new skill set to address. So I'm really excited to bring John and Lindsay back onto the show to have that discussion. So stay tuned about that. But for now, that's all we have time for. So want to once again express my appreciation to John Milligan and Lindsay Reyes for coming onto the show and sharing such wonderful tips and advice and help with acquiring a new language, improving our language skills. And so for those of you who listen, don't let something get in the way. I invite you to just take just one of those tidbits of advice that we talked about, one of those tips, use that as a starting point and just be persistent with it. And as time allows, you can add more of those tips, but I guarantee you with persistence with any one of those pieces of advice, you will succeed in your language abilities. Good luck on your journey. And thanks again for listening to the Uncharted Podcast. <laughs>